Welcome to the April 4th Sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Matthew chapter 27, verse 57, through chapter 28, verse 6, and the sermon is entitled, The Stone of the Tomb, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Today is the celebration of the highest victory, the holiest victory of all eternity, and certainly the victory of the Christian faith. All of our hope of a final healing, all of our hope of a final home, all of our hope of heaven and joy and peace and fulfillment and eternal life rests on this day. It rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Jesus walked out of that tomb on the third day, and it became the victory for every person because Jesus lives. Everyone who places our faith in him will live as well. Praise God, I am one of them. I pray you are one of them, that we know we have life everlasting. And today, if you have never come to Jesus as your Savior here in person, on stream or out in a parking lot, you will be given that invitation to come to Jesus Christ, the living Lord this day. Paul's words, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, are absolutely true for this day. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ. Amen? We are thankful for that victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our celebration today. We will never, never die. Through Jesus Christ, we will only change address. And our new, next address, our new address, will be one that will never change again as we live with him for all eternity. The great preacher of the 1800s, whose name was D.L. Moody, wrote this. Listen carefully. Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield, Massachusetts is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all. I will have moved out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal. A body that death cannot touch and sin cannot taint. We know that is our future, and it rests on the resurrection of our living Lord Jesus Christ. All of our faith, all of our ministry of this church rests on this day. The cross, absolutely important, as Jesus laid down his life for our sin. But the Christian faith would fold like a house of cards if it wasn't for the resurrection. We stand on the living Savior who gave his life and is resurrected to live today. Well, each year... As I prepare for this moment in the pulpit, a moment when we have the largest congregation usually of the year, or one of the largest, the weight of the responsibility and yet the joy of the privilege of preaching the good news is laid on me. And I'm so grateful, thankful that you are here this day, that you've tuned in today with us in streaming as I have been given the joy and the responsibility of this message. But as I read through the Gospels, and as I read through the resurrection passages every year, I say, Lord Jesus, give me something that is fresh and new and something that I can bring a new perspective to Easter as I preach through the message again this year. 39 years has not changed the message. 39 Easter's, the message is the same. But I want to give you a little different angle every time that I speak, and today is one of those days as I've asked God to give me something 
new out of the old word that we study year by year on this day. This year, for the first time in 39 Easter's, the Lord has led me to take a closer look at the stone which sealed the tomb of Jesus Christ after his death on the cross. So I want you to take your Bible and turn with me. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to begin with verse 57. That will not end our scripture reading today, so keep that Bible open on your lap. If you're here in the church, if you're streaming with us, keep your Bible open. I will continue on uh, after we read this particular passage. Matthew 27, go to verse 57. Hear these words from the Word of God. Jesus had died on the cross. This is immediately following his death on the cross. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Keep your Bible open. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of the word as we think about the burial of Jesus. As Jesus dies on the cross, his lifeless body could have undergone the same rough and inhumane treatment that many criminals' bodies underwent after they died on a cross. Of course, criminals who died on a cross were the worst criminals of all society. Most of them had families who were so ashamed they would never claim the body if they could. And so the bodies of those who died on crosses largely went to a shallow grave just covered with a thin cover of sod called the potter's field. An unmarked grave never to be remembered again. But then some of the criminals were treated even more inhumanely than that in that they were tossed on the burning trash heap in the valley of Gehenna, where all the trash of Jerusalem went. And so the smoke rose up from Gehenna day and night, and the smell of human flesh rose from Gehenna as the criminals were cast onto the trash heap, never to be remembered again. But a respectable, wealthy man who loved Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, approached the Roman ruler, Pilate. And he begged the body of Jesus to be given to him, for Pilate to release the body to him, that he might give the body of Jesus a proper burial. 
You know, I believe God protected the life of his son as Jesus walked on the earth. I believe that even as Jesus hung on the cross, if you remember the gospel account, that halfway through the event of the cross, a a shadow of darkness fell on the land and covered Jesus Christ in complete darkness. People could not see to go forward. And I believe that God Almighty put that shadow of darkness upon His Son to cover His dignity as the very Son of God on the cross. And I believe that God Almighty worked in the heart of Joseph of Arimathea to go and beg the body of Jesus so that he wouldn't be thrown on a trash heap somewhere, but rather God allowed his son to have a proper burial. Wouldn't be a long burial, but he have a proper burial. God made it so. He moved on Joseph of Arimathea's heart, and I also believe that he moved on Pilate's heart. Do you remember Pilate? had a great emotional struggle when it came to the crucifixion of Jesus. Pilate did not want to send Jesus to the cross because he knew he was sending an innocent man to die a criminal's death. Even Pilate's wife got in touch with him and said, do not not condemn that man because God has been working on my heart and working on my spirit. Pilate, my husband, do not condemn him to the cross. He is innocent God has told me so. And yet Pilate folded to the pressure of the community and sent Jesus to the cross. And I believe he felt very, very guilty about it. So that when Joseph of Arimathea came and said, may I have the body for burial, Pilate said, yes, you may. I'm so ashamed of what I've done. Give him a proper burial. Remarkably, Pilate allowed that to happen. So Joseph took the corpse and wrapped it in a clean linen, and gave Jesus a proper burial in his own brand-new, hewn-out tomb of rock, above ground, hewing into the stone, making a burial site there. Joseph gave Jesus his tomb, carved out of the rock. Matthew chapter 27, verse 60, it says that he sealed the door with a great stone. Now, I want you to understand the language of the Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea, he sealed the the door with a stone. Believe me, he did not do it alone. This was his tomb of ownership. This was his land that he owned, and he owned that stone. But I'm sure he got some mighty, good, powerful men to roll that stone into its place at the opening at the mouth of that tomb. Matthew 27, 60 says that the door was sealed. Now, the usual opening of a tomb in that day that had been hewn out of the rock was about four feet high. It wasn't head high. It was four feet high. If you remember, in John's gospel, the disciple John and also Mary, as it says in John's gospel, they had to stoop down to look into the tomb. They were too tall to look in it. From that point, they had to stoop to look that four feet down into the tomb. But still, a four-foot stone is very heavy, extremely heavy. It would take the effort of several good men, strong men, to put that stone into its place. Now, in Matthew's gospel, after Jesus' burial, the scribes and the Pharisees who had hated Jesus, 
I remind you why they hated Jesus. He had pointed them out as fakes and phonies, and their teaching of the Word of God had no substantiation in it. They taught the Word of God, but they did not know the God of the Word. There's a problem there. Anyone who stands behind the pulpit to preach and teach the Word of God needs to know Him in a personal relationship. These men did not. And Jesus had pointed them out, and they hated Him for it. They hated Him so much for it that they devised a plan of death for Jesus the Christ. So these scribes and Pharisees came to Pilate after Jesus had died, probably celebrating the fact that indeed He was dead. But these religious leaders said, Pilate, this man has spoken of his resurrection from the dead. And we are afraid that if his tomb is left unguarded, that some of his disciples will come and they will remove the stone and they will take that dead body out and then they will concoct some type of rumor, some type of story that Jesus is resurrected from the dead and it will stir all the people of Jerusalem up. So we would ask you to do some measures to guard that tomb so that that cannot be done, so Jesus' body could not be stolen out as a dead body and some story of resurrection come and stirs up all the community. Let's stop that before it happens, and Pilate agrees to that. Pilate did not want to deal with that problem. He had enough problems on his hands, and he was dealing with the guilt of sending an innocent man to the cross to begin with. So he agrees to that. And he orders two things to be done. Look at the last verse, 27, verse 66. Matthew 27, verse 66. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. So first, Pilate ordered that the stone be sealed. Have you read that passage throughout your life? Have you ever thought, what does that mean? What does it mean to seal a stone to the tomb? Well, do you take a caulk gun and run a bead of caulk around it? No. Do you take cement and smear cement around it so that nobody can get a pry bar in it and get the stone out? No. Archaeologists of this time period say that the way they sealed the stone onto the tomb was very, very delicate. It had nothing to do with cement, had nothing to do with uh, anything that would seal that stone into the tomb, but rather they would take a very delicate cord and on one side of the tomb, they would put that cord attached to the tomb with wax. And the wax would be sealed with Pilate's insignia. And they would drape that cord across the rock and then seal it on the other side with wax and with the insignia. And then they would drape it back around to the middle and back around to the bottom. And they would lace that cord all the way across the rock, sealed with wax several places on the sides of the tomb. So that if someone even brushed against that cord, it would show that somebody had messed with the stone. So it wasn't a cement seal, it was a little delicate cord that sealed the tomb. And no one could even touch the rock, let, a, let alone move it, that it would not be known by the authorities that the seal had been broken on the stone. That's the first thing Pilate ordered. The second thing was, Pilate ordered a group of soldiers to stand guard and to watch that tomb and to watch that stone on an hourly basis constantly making sure that no one would come, that no disciple would show up and move the stone. So as the sun sets, this is Saturday, 
This is the day after the cross and the day before the resurrection as the sun sets on that Saturday. The stone on the tomb was sealed and it was guarded. Double insurance that no one would tamper with the stone and no one would take the body of Jesus away. But friends, Sunday is on the way. Go now to Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at verses 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. So on the dawning of Sunday morning, Jesus crucified on Friday, the first day. He laid in state Saturday all day long. On the third day, Sunday morning, at the dawning of Sunday, the first day of the week, Matthew records that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Now, the other Mary has been identified as being the mother of one of the disciples. Of course, you know there were a pair of brother disciples, James and John. But there was another disciple named James, and he was called James the Less. And history says that this Mary who came to the tomb was the mother of James the Less. But these two women came to the tomb of Jesus, perhaps to stand in silence, perhaps to stand in fear, in reverence, to mourn the loss of the teacher and the rabbi and the Lord that they had followed for three years. Also, the Gospels of Mark and Luke say that they had brought spices with them to anoint the body of Jesus. They weren't expecting to find him alive, but they wanted to anoint his dead body on this morning. So they were hoping as they brought the spices that somehow miraculously by the will of God that stone might be moved aside and they could get inside to anoint the body of Jesus with the spices that they had brought. But as they came, the ground shook as an earthquake had come. And an angel of the Lord came and rolled the stone from in front of that doorway. One angel accomplished what only several powerful men could do. God Almighty broke the seal of the man who said, you can't enter the tomb. God broke the seal. God broke the cord, and that stone was indeed removed. And any effort of any man to hold back the power of God is puny and worthless when God wants to move. And that is true to this very day. No man, no power on earth, above the earth, or beneath the earth will ever stop God when he wants to move. When he wants his will accomplished, it will be done. That is absolutely the case in this particular moment. This angel moves the stone from the door, and as the stone lays away from the doorway, that angel in brightness and robed in white sits on top of the stone, saying symbolically, that stone is not going to keep Jesus in this grave. 
He has conquered the grave, and he sits on the stone to say, no stone can keep Jesus in. The men who were appointed as the guards, this is a bit of a humorous moment to me. But as those men, those Roman soldiers, as they were appointed to guard that stone, they had become so overcome with fear and shock and trauma that they actually fell out unconscious. And Scripture says they were like corpses themselves. They were like dead men. So here we have men who were guarding a corpse, and they are the ones who became the corpses, and Jesus is alive. (laughs) Praise God. The angel says to the women on this scene of power, Fear not, because I know that you came seeking Jesus who was crucified. In between the lines, he's saying, I know that you came to anoint a dead body. You came to see the one who died on the cross. But he is not in this tomb. He is risen. He is alive. Look inside. Look in the tomb and see the evidence that it is empty. Look in and see that evidence. And the women witnessed the empty tomb. And they were indeed confirming, yes, this tomb is empty. Jesus is not here. We don't have anybody to anoint today because Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He is alive. Okay, now listen. Here's a central question that I want to ask you this morning on Easter morning. Did the angel come and move the rock to let Jesus out? Absolutely not. Jesus can move any stone of any weight with the power of God as a child can throw a little pebble. Jesus can move a stone. The angel did not have to move the stone to let Jesus out. The angel moved the stone to let the witnesses look in. That's so important to the Easter story. Never forget that. The angel moved the stone not to let Jesus out, but to let the witnesses look in. And to see the evidence that Jesus Christ indeed is alive. And no stone on earth could keep him in. He moved the stone so believers could look in. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stone is removed. So Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Salome and Peter and John can be the first witnesses to look inside that tomb and to say, It is empty. Jesus is not here. They became the first human witnesses to testify to others. Jesus is not in his grave. He is alive. And their witness that Easter morning was the beginning of a worldwide witness and a worldwide cry of victory that we serve a Lord who died on the cross for us, but he lives today to walk with us and to give us his power and his will and his blessing and his heaven when that time comes for us. He is a risen, living Savior. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed, my brothers and sisters today. There is no stone blocking the doorway of our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The stone of personal doubt has been moved because we believe He is resurrected from the dead. The stone of the atheist denial that Jesus never lived is moved. 
Jesus Christ lives this day. The stone of the world that says what Jesus did for us is not so very important, that stone has been moved because the empty tomb says this is the most important event of all of human history and all of the universe, that Jesus walked out of his tomb that his children might live. So as we come today, we glory in that good news. And what I want you to know today is this. John, Peter, Salome, Mary, the other Mary, and Mary Magdalene looked into that tomb as the first witnesses. But today, over 2,000 years later, you and I today on Easter Sunday, we're looking in the tomb right now. And we proclaim, it is empty. He is not here. He is risen. That is our message. It was the message of those first witnesses. And here we are 2,000 years later. It is our message. And we are to proclaim that message in this world, especially to those who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We have that one Savior. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other Savior than the one who walked from the tomb. Mohammed is still dead. The gods of the Hindus never lived. The bones of Confucius are still in the ground. All the Dalai Lamas who ever lived are still dead and were buried. But our Savior is alive. The stone was rolled away so you and I can see into the tomb. And we are witnesses to his resurrection this day. There are no bones in Jesus' tomb. That's the most important point of the believer's life. John 14 verse 19 says this, Jesus himself, because I live, ye shall live also. It all rests on the shoulders of Jesus Christ that he is alive, that he walked from that grave, and that today we in faith walk with him. This Easter Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, those of us who are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you're here in person, listening by streaming, or out in the parking lot today by FM Signal, wherever you are, I pray that we will rededicate our lives and commit our lives to being witnesses of the empty tomb and witnesses of a living Savior. You're going to cross paths with people this week who do not know him. And you and I need to be his witness. You and I need to be his representative. And you and I need to deliver his love to them. Drawing them to the kingdom of God so that they too can witness the empty tomb. I pray that you will come to the altar right here physically or to the altar of your heart and say, Lord Jesus, help me to be your witness because I have seen the empty tomb. I know you as my Savior And I know you're walking with me. And I know you're alive. Help me, Lord, daily as you walk with me, be your witness in this world. You have some appointments to fulfill this week to come. Be a witness for him. And if you have never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this Easter Sunday morning, you can come to Jesus as your Lord, your Savior. You can say yes to him in these moments. You can give your heart and your life to him. I want you to stand with me for just a minute at the foot of the old rugged cross. Jesus voluntarily went to that cross. Roman soldiers did not make him go to the cross. No edict of Pilate made Jesus go to the cross. He went voluntarily because he loves you. If you've never received Jesus, he loves you. 
And he died on the cross with your sin on his shoulders. The perfect, sinless Lamb of God died on the cross in your place and mine. And every believer's life, he died for us all. He, be, he died for the entire world, no matter the color, no matter the nation, no matter the living conditions. He died for every single person on earth. And he died for you. As you stand at the foot of the cross, will you simply say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you allowed your life to be laid down in my place. Now, for another minute, Stand with me at the mouth of the empty tomb. You and I can look inside. And this moment as witnesses, we look inside and say, this tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer here. He is risen. He is living. He is a Savior who walks with us and takes care of us. The perfect, sinless Lamb of God, risen again. He was he was crucified on a cross. He was buried in a grave, but he rose from that grave as the victor and the conqueror over death. And anyone who says, Lord Jesus, I believe you. I've witnessed inside of the tomb, and it's empty. I know you're living, and I know you want to walk with me. I accept you as my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me that I might have life everlasting. You come today. What better day to give your heart to Jesus Christ than on Easter Sunday. If you're streaming with us today and you're in your kitchen or living room or car, wherever you are today, this moment is your invitation as well. Wherever you are, you can accept Him as your Lord and your Savior, and He absolutely will accept and honor your yes, your acceptance of Him as Savior for all eternity, right now, this moment, if you'll give your heart to Jesus as Lord and Savior. He is alive. And he loves us, and he wants every one of us as his son or his daughter. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for Easter Sunday morning, Lord. We praise God. We thank God. We say hallelujah. Jesus is alive. Father, those first witnesses looked into the tomb and found it empty. Today, 2,000 years later, we look into the tomb, and we know it is empty. We thank you that Jesus lives. He is the conqueror over death went to the cross to take our sin, take our punishment to give us forgiveness, walk from the grave to give us eternal life. Father, for we who are believers, we honor you, we thank you, we fall before you in utter thanksgiving this morning. Lord, today, if there's one person in this sanctuary or listening somehow to this service who's never received Jesus, today, I pray he or she is a witness to the empty tomb saying, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Come walk with me, live in me, and help me to worship you, love you, serve you, and one day come home with you. Bless us in this very, very important moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.